the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. As we return to the third chapter of Hebrews, I want to remind you that the author is in the process of showing the supremacy of Christ over Moses. His audience was a small fellowship that is primarily made of converted Jews. But there were also those who embraced Jesus as Messiah, but not as Savior, and of course, There were those among them who did neither and were completely lost, probably there because of relationships. And the urgency of this message is literally the growing apostasy that's going on in this little church. It's growing because now, when they were once free to worship as Christians, they are now experiencing persecution from the religious leaders, the chief priests, and the temple guard. This persecution was becoming more and more intense and was some people were losing their homes, their livelihoods. They were disfellowshipped and disassociated with the very people that they had spent the whole of their lives with. It was tough to proclaim the name of Christ. So, they begin to fall away. And apparently the irony of the similarity between what had happened to Jesus at the hands of the religious leaders and what they were going through was lost on them. Jesus will all be this, always be the subject of man's persecution. So the text today will be chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. And in our text, the author is reminding these Hebrews of the unbelief of Israel in order to awaken them to their own unbelief. So once again, the Spirit of God is going to use the Old Testament scriptures, which they as Jews were very familiar with. And he's going to use that to make his appeal to those wayward Christians and to those who've never received Christ as Savior. And I'll be referencing these Old Testament scriptures as we journey through our text, so make sure you keep your Bibles open. You know, we should never attend a worship service with just a passive interest, but we come here 
to put our focus upon him and to learn from his word. And the spirit of God is our teacher. So stand with me as we read Hebrews chapter 3 verses 7 through 12. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as your fathers did in the rebellion of Israel in Meribah. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers tried by testing my forbearance and tolerance and saw my works for 40 years and found I stood their test. Therefore, I was angered with this generation. And I said, they always go astray in their heart. And they did not know my ways, nor become progressively better and more intimately acquainted with them. So I swore an oath in my wrath. They shall not enter my rest, the promised land. Take care, brothers and sisters, that there not be in any of one of you a wicked, unbelieving heart which refuses to trust and rely on the Lord, a heart that turns away from the living God. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, the author uh, over the course of this book has so far shown that Jesus is greater than the prophets, greater than the angels. And in the first six chapters, uh, six verses of this chapter, he has shown that he is greater than Moses. And as I mentioned before, the Spirit is going to use uh, the Old Testament, referencing the history of Israel, which his audience was very acquainted with. This is a history while they were following Moses as their leader. So the author begins with a quotation of Psalm 95, verses 7 through 11. And that chronicles Israel's unbelief. They refused to trust God even after witnessing his miraculous deliverance from the cruelty of Egypt, his faithful care and provision in their exodus, and his righteous judgment of Egypt. God was consistent to his character. He was consistent to his promises. And they were consistently unbelieving and rebellious. So you might look at Psalm 95. We're going to look at that real quickly. It says in Psalm 95, this is David writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, Oh, come, oh, come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with a song of thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with songs. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods, in whose hands are the depths of the earth. The peaks of the mountain are his also. The sea is his, for he made it by his command. And his hands form the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, in reverent praise and prayer. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts and become spiritually dull and as at Meribah, the place of strife, and as at Massa, 
the place of testing in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, even though they had seen my works of miracles. For 40 years, I was grieved and disgusted with that generation. And I said, they are a people who err in their heart and they do not acknowledge or regard my ways. Therefore, I spoke an oath in my wrath. They absolutely shall not enter my rest, the land of promise. Now, O come is a call to worship, and it's a pleading call. It is as though there are some that wouldn't. It is as though there are some who were otherwise occupied. Please choose to come, enter in with joy. And let the God, who is our joy, hear our song of worship. Let us shout and exclaim out of the overflow of a full heart that we stand on the immovable rock of our salvation. Come before our God with thanksgiving. That's not soulish introspection. That is not the focus of flesh. That is an awareness of the grace and mercy that has and does surround your life. And then bursting forth in praise. Do you see the glory of your God? The question is, does the desire to worship move you? What are the priorities of your soul? Because the thing we have to think about is this. God doesn't drag us into the truth of his presence kicking and screaming. God visits upon us every evidence of his love. Every evidence of his presence, every evidence of his mercy, of his grace, of his steadfast faithfulness towards us. And what do we believe about him? God wants us to seek him. Not that he can't, that he's somewhere where we have to find him. This isn't where's Waldo. He is in your life. Seek him. That is an aggression. That is you not wanting to be deprived from the reality of his presence before you. That is a voracious appetite for the things of God, for the people of God, for the word of God. This is what he desires from the new creation. This is how we are made. And we don't understand why there's such a conflict between what is going on in the world... And what is what God calls us to be? We don't understand why our souls are so easily drawn away and so distracted by the things about us. And that is because we have not yet to determine to walk in truth according to what is within us rather than to according to what is around us. That is a determination of faith. It's a determination that says, I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which he has placed within me against that day. He is keeping it in this moment. I will not turn away my gaze from him. Your determination does not make God present. Your determination does not make God more real. Your determination allows you to walk experientially in the truth of your God's presence. Because let me tell you what God has for you can be revealed in every moment, in every instant. 
Why? Because all of this life is designed to provoke faith from you. All of it is designed to call you to faith. Not just the difficulties, but the blessings that you would call them. Every moment, it doesn't mean that your soul is going to be there for you. The soul does have to be drug kicking and screaming most of the time. The emotions are not always there unless, of course, you're in the body of believers and there's a rapturous praise going on. The soul is all, aboard, all on board, right? Unless, of course, you're in a, a really intense prayer meeting and you can feel the presence of the Lord. Your soul's all on board with that, right? Neither one of those are faith. We're called to live this life by faith, which means it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what my circumstances are. It doesn't matter what is coming against me. I will put my focus and my trust in him. It's a declaration. Come before your God with thanksgiving. It is not a focus of flesh. It is an awareness of his grace and mercy. Do you see the glory of your God? And when you see that glory, are you moved to worship? That's the question. The psalmist reminds us of the greatness of our God and that we are the sheep of his pasture. There is an invitation and a warning by way of remembrance in verses 7 through 11. Verses 7, verse 7 of Hebrews, let's look at that. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice... Now, verse 7 begins with therefore, of course, referencing what has gone before it. And in verse 6, we talked about that. It ended with him telling us that we are the household of the Son. Now, again, that's not a structure. And he's not necessarily referring to what we know as the modern church. It is those who are gathered together in kinship. That is the household of God. We are in his household. That means we belong there. That means we have relationship with him. And it doesn't matter. And you've noted, if you've ever been to a family reunion, it really doesn't matter who shows up as long as they're related, right? And there's some you wish weren't. But they are. Well, the household of God includes everyone who is akin to him. And it's the son who calls us together. We are the household of the son. Now, this psalm was penned by David, but look who it says is speaking. Whose voice are we talking about? The Son. I love that. But do you ever wonder about the supernatural origin of God's Word? You know, it's amazing to me because God's Word is a supernatural work. God himself dictated every word, every nuance was his to dictate. And we treat it like a reference book. It is a book, literally, that speaks of the truth of our holy God. It is supernatural in what it speaks in the rhema of God into your life. That is supernatural. Some people are more moved by a periodical, by some poetic author's words. Listen, I don't know what makes your emotions soar, but I know the truth of the word of God, and it is a supernatural work unto you. Read it with that in mind. Embrace the fullness of what he has put there. He says <clears throat> that it is the Son. It shows that the Son is speaking. Those words were written 
over a thousand years before the Hebrews heard it. And yet it is still relevant to this little fellowship. His word is eternal. And he says the word today. It's not necessarily referencing 24 hours. It speaks of urgency. There is an urgency in you to know this. There's an urgency if you are hearing his voice. If you're hearing him. Now, let me say something. That God speaks to us in a myriad of ways. If we are yielded to hear his voice, we'll hear his voice all through the day. It says, my sheep hear my voice. And I'm not going to define that for you. Because God will choose how you hear. Every personality is different. My children, every one of them was different. I knew what it took for t- to get their attention. And for one, it didn't take but a quiet word. For another, I had to jump up and down. It just depends on the personality. But here's the thing. Your father is responsible for getting the message to you. Okay? He's the shepherd. He's responsible for making sure that you hear and that you understand. Or he can't hold you accountable for disobedience. That's the truth of it, right? The reality of it is that we give instruction as parents to save our children from misery. To give them balance in life. In the hopes that they will enjoy life. That they'll have it to the full. That's what your father's intention is for you. And sometimes it's very difficult to separate yourself from God's word and say, you know what? It doesn't matter that I'd rather do this or I'd rather go there. I'd rather be somewhere else. But this is what God has spoken to me, period. God speaks to us all differently, but he is in charge of making sure you hear him. And another thing I will say this, a lot of people think that God speaks in loud, voluminous voice. It sounds like Charlton Heston, but that's not the case at all. He says a still, quiet voice. And for me, it's almost not a word like me talking to you. It's an inclination. It's a thought. It's something that he moves my heart with. It's an illustration that could be in the yard at the grocery store, or maybe in the study of his word. The one thing that you presume upon is that he is speaking. You've heard him today. I know you may not think so, especially if you're listening for Charlton Heston. But you have heard him today. He has spoken to you. If you thought of him when you woke up, that was him saying, Good morning, I love you. I am with you. Verse 8. Do not harden your heart as your fathers did in the rebellion of Israel in Meribah on the day of testing in the wilderness, as your fathers did in the rebellion. Now, this is a reference to Numbers 20, verses 1 through 13. And the day of trial and the day of testing in the wilderness is a reference to Exodus 17. And I'm going to give you a brief overview. Israel has just come out of Egypt, and they have witnessed the power and determination of the Lord to deliver him. They have the ever-present witness of the cloud by day and the pillar of fire. When they arrive at Meribah, the water was bitter. And they complained. They complained to Moses and to God as well. And God heard them, and he spoke to Moses, and God made the bitter water sweet. Now, that's a picture of salvation. 
They, then they complained about the food. And God gave them manna, a picture of the bread of life. And then at Rephidim, there was no water when they arrived there. Now, Rephidim is an interesting name. Interestingly enough, it means rest, a place of rest. So the people immediately begin to complain against Moses. So he asked them, why do you tempt the Lord? Why do you test God? And the people are actually ready to stone Moses. So God commands Moses to take his rod and to strike the, the rock in Korah before the people. And Moses, the representative of the law, struck the rock who represents Christ, and from it flows the water, the river of life, in abundance. That's actually in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Paul makes reference to that. Moses called the place Masa, which means tempted or temptation, and Meribah, which means contention, because of the contention of, of Israel. And they asked, is the Lord among us or what? Here's the thing. That's a question you never have to ask. They were so used to having an outward dispensation that whenever things didn't go their way, they were looking for another outward dispensation. But you have an inner dispensation. You have the inner witness of Christ himself. You should never ask if the Lord is with you because he is your life. If he wasn't with you, you wouldn't exist as a new creation, his spirit animates your very being. The fact that you are up and walking about, the fact that you woke up this morning and are here, is an evidence that the Lord is with you and that you have purpose that will never depart from you. They asked, is the Lord among us or not? Do not harden your heart by refusing to recognize God. The question I would ask is, where is the presumption of faith? Where is the remembrance of God that has delivered you into, unto salvation? Where is the remembrance of the God of your salvation? Do you have a history with the Lord? And most times when we enter into anxiety and we enter into hardships and, and we, we're, we're angry over our situation and we're, we're depressed over our inability to change our circumstances and we are frustrated with things that are coming against us, it is as though we are asking, where is the Lord? The reality of it is, we need to turn our eyes back, because this is a thing that was continually rehearsed by Israel, that Moses brought before them continuously and the prophets thereafter, the God of your salvation, the God that has delivered you, the God that took you out of the land of Egypt, the God who parted the Red Sea, the God who delivered you from the hands of your enemies, the God who stood before you in power, the God, the God, the God is your God. He is your God. And when the accuser comes and he invites you into despair, and he invites you into anxiousness and fear and doubt and worry, you should turn to him and say, my God is with me. Do not ask such questions. 
The same God that delivered you before will deliver you again. The same God that is holding you together will hold you together through this. The same God that brings forth His salvation in every moment will bring salvation to the moment you're in. Do we know our God or not? Has He not proven faithful in our lives? Has He not shown Himself to be loving, to be kind, to be merciful? Has He not bestowed grace upon us? Would we dare ask the question, where is our God? Bring the soul to heal the mind, will, and emotion. Let the Spirit of God motivate you to declare the truth over your soul. I will not enter into unbelief. Because that's what we're talking about. I will not embrace the lie of the enemy. I will not be fearful. How could Paul raise his hands in chains? How could a man who had been beaten and scarred and almost drowned and stoned, how could he say, I want to know more of you? How? He must be living to something totally different. Because as we assess our circumstances, we find ourselves wanting, coveting, desiring, wishing. Quit assessing your circumstances and assess your God who has been faithful, always faithful. Do not harden your heart by refusing to recognize your God. Do not harden your heart by being unbelieving. Do you have a history with the Lord? Have you recounted that history? Sit down and write out the day of your deliverance. Sit down and write out the moment of his goodness to you. Make a journal. We have one right here. Make a journal of God's deliverance. Make a journal of God's salvation. Rehearse the truth over your soul. Do not let the enemy steal the fact, the proven fact of his love for you, his faithfulness toward you. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m., at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn 
Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.